The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome in to the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, college football playoff rankings, the first edition of the 2018 season are out. It finally feels like this season is getting Zoom focused towards what to expect for the final four Follow us on social media. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 and I am at Drew Butler 13. We have a very special show for you today. A huge weekend of college football games that are sure to have a ton of impact on next week's college football rankings. For that reason, we're bringing in a very special guest, ESPN's own Maria Taylor. You know Maria if you have a TV, uh, if your head is not stuck in the ground. She is everywhere. She is a superstar, so she will give us her reaction to the first college football rankings and the biggest games of the weekend. And as always, we will give you the Ray Guy Award Punter of the Week and the Davey O'Brien Award Quarterback of the Week from Week Nine. But Aaron, let's dive right into it, man. The first college football playoff rankings were released last night. And I don't know if there was a lot of surprises for you and I, not so much probably, but maybe for some others, that three, four spot was up for grabs and the committee definitely went SEC heavy. Yeah. And, and listen, if you want to look at LSU's schedule and if you want to take those top four teams, if the committee's being true to itself and saying, we're going to reward the teams that have had the toughest schedule that have played the best games. I mean, LSU may be even ranked above, above Clemson if you want yeah. to look at it that way. Because you look at Alabama. I mean, who is Alabama really being so far this season? I mean, no one. I guess A and M's your best one, and maybe Ole Miss. I mean, those are really what you're hanging your head on right now. And then Clemson. I mean, who's your best one? A and M as well. NC State, Syracuse. I mean, those two teams really haven't been challenged yet. Obviously, Alabama will get the big one this weekend versus LSU. And then the SEC championship game along with Mississippi state and Auburn. So they'll get those later on in the season. But if you just want to look at this first half, really LSU and Notre Dame have had the tougher schedules. Yeah. I mean, LSU being Miami, LSU playing Auburn, being Auburn, Mississippi state, having to beat Georgia. Those are a lot of good football games. Then look at Notre Dame. I mean, obviously starting off at Michigan and those other games, I believe let's look um, Stanford, Virginia tech, I, I mean, so if you want to talk you. about sh- sh- what if LSU would have beaten Florida, are they the number one ranked team in the first college yes. football rankings? You think so? Undoubtedly. You yeah. A hundred percent. 
I would agree with you there. One team that's really well, Notre Dame, though. I mean, Notre Dame's the only team that's, that's being a top what five team, six yes. team of of those guys right now. So that's you. Obviously, we agree Alabama's the best. Yeah, I and mean, we all know Alabama's the best. But it's based on paper and, and opponents. You have to say three and four have had a tougher schedule so far this season. All right, I want to ask you another question because I'm just looking at the rankings: one Alabama, two Clemson, three LSU, four Notre Dame. Five, six, seven are Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma. Kentucky comes in at nine. Florida comes in at eleven. Why is UCF at seven and zero oh, not ahead of a two-loss Florida team, the defending national champions? All they do is win. They haven't lost a game in a year and a half yet. The committee is still not showing them any love whatsoever. Why is that? It, it's strength of schedule. I mean, I would have put him ahead of Florida. I, I think you still put him behind the one loss teams. Uh, you put him behind Georgia, Michigan, Washington state, Kentucky, Ohio state. But I think, I think they're deserving enough. I think they've shown enough to be ahead of Florida to lost Florida right now, especially the way Florida lost last week to Georgia. So I think that's kind of a, um, that's that's the one that kind of scratches my head a little bit, but I thought the rest of it looks pretty good. It does. There are seven SEC teams in the first college football playoff top twenty-five ranking. Clemson, though, you know they're at number two, and they have just been running roughshod over all of their opponents of late. And you have to think that Dabo Swinney, that coaching staff, and all the players are realizing that in order to stay out of Alabama's way in the semifinals. They need to beat everyone's ass so they don't get put in that four spot like they did last year. If the ACC what, championship was today, they'd be playing Virginia. I mean, they would beat Virginia by 40 points in a conference championship game. Well, we talk about, and I know you love, Drew, you love you some Notre Dame, but let's just <laughs> let's just play the game here. Big game for them this weekend. Yeah, big game for but let's play the game. Clemson goes out, and they're, they're 13-0. Okay. And we know how weak the ACC is this season. And then say Notre Dame goes 12 and 0, and Notre Dame has Michigan. They've been Michigan, Stanford, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, um, Syracuse, USC, Northwestern, who's a good football team. Florida. I mean, strength of schedule. You have to give a little bit of a nod to, to Notre Dame. I would have to say. So, do you then? Does the committee look at that and bump Notre Dame to possibly number two? Uh, I think I think there's a chance. I, I think, think it's, you, you, you might have to. I think it's, it's you, especially if Michigan beats Ohio State. Yes, yes. And, and Notre Dame has said, "Hey, we beat Michigan," and if Michigan beats Ohio State and wins that conference, they'll be in the playoffs as well. So I think then you got to put Notre Dame at two, Clemson at three, and then Michigan if they win that conference, Michigan at four possibly. I think it's all dependent on who they will be choosing from. Just like this week, I said it. On Monday's podcast, there's no way that LSU was going to be left out of the best ranking possible just for the sake of their game against Alabama this weekend. You can talk all about the integrity of the committee and what they're trying to do and how honest and fair they're trying to be. But the bottom line is this. They are trying to do what's best for college football, what's best for every university's pocketbook, and what's best for the whole of the NCAA. Therefore, if that situation happens, they will pick and choose where to put each team that will deliver the best ratings on television, that will deliver the best ticket sales, and that will give them the best opportunity for a nationally 
recognized national championship game. Don't forget, Aaron, this game is in Santa Clara, California. That is a long way to travel. If you got a couple of fan bases that maybe don't travel that well, that's a tough ask. Now, if you had Alabama and Notre Dame, yes, that's going to be a huge game. Any SEC team against Notre Dame, absolutely. But do not get it twisted. These guys have an agenda. There's no doubt about it. And I think that we are in for another fun top four, final four voting ranking situation at the end of the season. Plenty of talk about considering the rankings, but in other news in college football, Aaron, a big one came down yesterday. DJ Durkin, the formerly suspended Maryland head coach, reinstated by the university. They had a team meeting. Players walked out of the team meeting. This, of course, is because of the tragic death of offensive lineman Jordan McNair during offseason conditioning. Really, the press conference was pretty bizarre. The president of the Board of Regents, the chairman of the Board of Regents, however, he said that they couldn't find any evidence that would link DJ Durkin to being responsible for the death of Jordan McNair. And um, they said he had a great meeting with the Board of Regents, which is why he was reinstated. I don't know why they would use that vocabulary, a great meeting, when they are discussing why one of his players died during offseason conditioning. A really bad look. They retained Damon Evans as athletic director. Wallace Lowe is still the university president. And DJ Durkin back as the head coach. Just a bad look all around. Terrible optics. Well, we talk about the head coach being in, I love what you said, it's on the CEO of the football team. I mean, CEO of the program from top. You dictate the mentality of your coaching staff, your trainers, your tutors, what's going on inside that building. You are in complete control. You sit down with those coaches. Even if you're not seeing the players in the summer, you're still sitting down with the coaches saying, how are the guys looking? How's everyone feeling? This is what I want to accomplish this summer. Why I'm not there, why I'm not there working with these kids and you're in complete control. This is what I want done. This is the mentality of my football team that I want going forward. So it starts with the head coach and, and we talk about it and we've seen it plenty of times in the ESPN articles and other articles about the toxic culture. The, the kids are scared. I mean, these 18, 19, 20 year old kids scared to say something to a coach, scared to say something to a trainer and thoughts that they're going to get punished. They're going to get screamed. They're going to get cussed at. They're going to get called soft, whatever it is. They overstepped the line as yes. a coaching staff, as a training staff. It starts with the head coach. No excuse that he wasn't there. It's still his mentality, his mold as a coach that kind of trickles down to the rest of his staff. So I I don't love the decision by Maryland by retaining him. I I thought uh, there should have been enough in in previous articles and previous research and and interviews that, like I said, demonstrate this toxic culture that started with DJ Durkin. Absolutely. And it's just hard to believe. And again, I go back to the optics of this. They said he had a great meeting with the Board of Regents. The Board of Regents said they didn't find any evidence that would link him to Jordan McNair's death. Look, the strength and conditioning staff and the training staff are in lockstep with the head coach. That's at any level of football, but especially in college and especially during the offseason. The strength coach is telling the head coach who's working hard, who's looking good, who's not making any progress, and the training staff is telling the head coach who is feeling well, who has nagging injuries, and who might not be available for fall camp. I am shocked that Maryland has not held 
anybody accountable for the death of Jordan McNair. I know there is plenty of blame to go around, but with plenty of blame to go around, it's inexcusable that they would not hold one person accountable. So rest in peace, Jordan McNair. This will continue to be talked about. There's teammates, though, uh, at Maryland are not happy with this. They're tweeting about it. They're Instagramming about it. They walked out of a team meeting. This is going to be uh, ugly for the rest of the season. And, you know, you prayers up for Jordan McNair's family. They said that they felt that they were spit in the face and absolutely disrespected by Maryland's inaction. So that is sad, sad, sad stuff. Uh, Maryland plays Ohio State later on this season, Aaron. So you got DJ Durkin going up against Urban Meyer. Two formerly two really classy guys, two classy, really classy guys, guys who were placed on administrative cla- leave hey, and since reinstated. Drew, Drew, when, when my kid is going through his recruiting, and hopefully he's a stud, another stud quarterback, he's definitely going to take a visit to Urban Meyer and DJ Drake. I hundred percent. I'm going to send him there. Yeah, that, that is the kid. That is those are the coaches I want my kid to play for. Someone who is allows a coach to be on the roster or to be on the staff after abusing his wife. And then a coach that causes such a toxic culture and causing a kid to uh, die in training. So yeah, yeah, my kids, my kid, I definitely want to send my kid to one of those two schools. It's absolutely unbelievable. But um, again, prayers to Jordan McNair's family, and we'll we'll continue to watch this closely and keep you updated. We will definitely break down that Maryland versus Ohio State game later on in the season. We'll just call it the Morality Bowl, the Integrity Bowl. The honesty bowl. That's what we'll call it. All right, switching gears, though, we need to tell all of our listeners who the punter and the quarterbacks of the week were for week nine. You are listening to the Punt and Pass podcast, so what better place to get this news? First off, I'm going to give you the Ray Guy Award punter of the week for week nine. I told you Ray's eight on Monday. Here is the winner for punter of the week for week nine. It is none other than Jack Fox from Rice. Jack had seven punts totaling 331 yards. You break that down. That is a 47.3 yard average, a gross average and a 47.3 yard net average. That of course means there were absolutely no returns on his seven punts out of those seven punts. Five were inside the 20 yard line and he had a long of 76 yards. Have yourself a day, Jack Fox. And Aaron, I think we have the semifinalist list coming out in a few weeks. So both of these awards are going to narrow into who will be up to hoist the trophy towards the end of the season. But congratulations, Jack Fox, the Ray Guy Award punter of the week for week nine. Aaron, who you got for yeah, the Davey O'Brien Award quarterback? Yeah, let's dub into the Davey O'Brien Award quarterback for week nine. Um, Derek King, Houston, another a great game. We talked about earlier in the week, but 28 to 40, 419, five touchdowns. And then the big kicker drew 132 yards on the ground. I Jeez. mean, holy smokes. That's, I'm not good at math, Drew, but that's a lot of total yards. It's like 540 something yards or 50 something yards of total offense, seven touchdowns. And then obviously they're playing, they're not playing any scrubs here. They're playing an undefeated USF team. They won 57, 36, big win for Houston. But when your quarterback has seven touchdowns, you should dominate, which they did. Congratulations. And speaking of, I just got an email two days ago about voting. My oh, first yeah. voting time. Okay. Yeah, baby. There you go. Aaron's going to be voting get it going. on the Davey O'Brien Quarterback of the Year Award. I, of course, will be voting for the Ray Guy Award Punter of the Year. And I get to vote for the Lou Groza Award Kicker of the Year. So, man, we're just... 
We're a couple of tastemakers on the college football scene. We got you covered right here on Punt and Pass. Congratulations, Derek King from Houston, the Week 9 Davey O'Brien Award quarterback of the week. All right, Aaron, it's a huge weekend in college football, and we have a huge guest coming up. We are about to interview ESPN Zone national superstar Maria Taylor. So here it is. Okay, we are welcoming in a very special guest. This is a huge week for the Punt and Pass podcast. Obviously, as mentioned before, the first college football playoff rankings have just been released, and therefore, we're bringing in the big timer. That's right, Maria Taylor, ESPN's Maria Taylor from the University of Georgia. If you don't know who Maria is, you either don't watch television, you have your head stuck in the ground, or you're just not a very aware person. Aaron, we brought in the big guns. Maria, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us on the Punt and Pass podcast. No worries. Glad to finally get invited. I've actually been waiting for my invite, you know. I mean, we were all in school together. You guys start this podcast, and, like, now three years later since it started, y'all bring me on. (laughs) It's been special, and you are obviously crushing it. Everybody knows who you are. We watch you every Saturday on College Game Day on ESPN. We see you on the biggest game of the week each and every week. You are headed to Baton Rouge. Game Day is going to be at Alabama LSU, but then you will get on a flight and you're going to cover the big-time Penn State-Michigan game. What's it like? When's the last time you've been home for two (laughs) days in a row? It's funny because this week I actually got to be home for two days in a row. We were supposed to be in Bristol for the college basketball seminar because hoops literally starts next week with Champions Classic. But um, I asked if I could stay home just to get my life back in order. And so this is the first time probably since football season started that I had that day. Back to that. So talk to us a little bit. I mean, what, how fun is it being on game day set? I see you guys. I was there last week at Florida, Georgia. And I was in that little Coke zone hanging out and just seeing all the commotion, the guys running back and forth, the interviews, the coaches, you know, Kirby and Mullen were on set, Tebow's on set. I mean, it is literally a who's who of college football going on every single Saturday. How much fun is it during the weekend, obviously on Saturday, on set for college game day? Well, Aaron, you probably noticed, but Saturday mornings are literally just organized chaos. I mean, (laughs) I don't know how they keep everything going in the right direction because at that time, or at least last Saturday, I mean, half of us were going over to SEC Nation, and then we were doing um, our hits on game day, and then we're bringing, like you said, Tebow and Paul Feinbaum over, and usually we have a guest. So it's funny because we get in on Fridays and we talk about the rundown, but anything subject to change based on where the show goes or how much time we have left. So it changes, it works somehow, and it's always been a lot of fun. I love being around the guys. They work really hard at delivering the best show. And even during breaks, sometimes they're critiquing their work and trying to figure out how to make it better for the following week. So that's the best part of it. It's like a team that's always trying to get better. Well, Maria, you make organized chaos look pretty seamless. So <laughs> big time props to you. I know everybody really enjoys watching you and, and your rise through the sports media landscape has been absolutely fantastic so congratulations on all your recent success and obviously everybody tunes into espn every tuesday night for the next five weeks to see who the top four teams are going to be in the college football playoff rankings and the first rendition came out this past tuesday night and some people may or may not have been surprised obviously not surprised with the first two teams one being alabama 
two being Clemson, but then LSU got the number three spot. Notre Dame was slotted at number four. Five was Michigan, who you're covering this weekend, and then six was Georgia. Any surprises there? I thought that they would put LSU as high as they possibly could to make this weekend's Alabama-LSU game as big as it possibly could be. I mean, honestly, I think the biggest statement that the committee made was how important strength of schedule is going to be by the time the final ranking comes through because for LSU to be a one-loss team um, and obviously Notre Dame to be undefeated to fall in at that four spot, they're saying, okay, we get it. Notre Dame's a great team. LSU's a great team. But LSU has definitely played stronger competition. I think there's seven SEC teams that are in the um, initial rankings, so, and they've played about half of them. I think they had three top ten wins right now on their record. Um, and obviously that loss to Florida, they're scrubbing that clean and saying this is not the same LSU team that played uh, against the Gators earlier in the season. So I think that that's going to be something to watch out looking forward. A lot of times we think, oh, one-loss teams can't get in. Two-loss team definitely ruled out. Um, but I think what this committee is saying, and I think there's six new members on the committee this season, and we're seeing early how important strength of schedule is going to be. And and also just the team itself. It looks like they're really looking at who is the best team, what is who's putting out the best product on the field, not as much the record. Marie, we talk about strength of schedule. What about UCF right now? I thought they would be maybe ahead of Florida. Florida right now coming in one spot, even with the two losses. UCF a year and a half now not losing a football game. Did they get snubbed initially right now, or is that kind of where they should be still behind Florida and just outside the top 10? Well, it's funny because this is the same ranking that UCF finished um, the final release of 2017, and it's also tied for their highest by a group of five teams. So I think they're making headway as far as the rankings are concerned, but we're seeing from the committee that they just are not going to respect UCF. It doesn't matter what they do, short of blowing every team out by um, they're not going to prove or make their way into the, the college football playoff conversation. It's unfortunate for those kids who play for Central Florida because back in the day I did the Orange Bowl when Northern Illinois played against Florida State. And it wasn't great competition, but I remember how special it was for those guys to be able to compete in the ECS bowl game. And it seems as though, you know, UCF has no chance. They can't even see the top four. It doesn't matter what they do. So it's unfortunate for them, but obviously I think the committee has made that claim and they've stuck that poll right now. They're not going to take it out. It is unfortunate because as far as I'm concerned, Central Florida are the defending national champions. I mean, they didn't even they, – they, they won their conference championship last year. I don't remember any game being in Atlanta. The other team that claims to be national champions, they didn't even win their conference. So Central Florida, 2017, national Boom. champions for sure. All right, let's get into this weekend's games. I want to ask you your quick thoughts. We've talked about it already on this week's podcast about the game you're covering, right? So Penn State and Michigan are facing <laughs> off. This is a big-time shout-out to the Pups, a big-time top 15 Big Ten matchup. And it seems like Michigan has got it going. Finally, Shea Patterson playing very good football. Michigan has the number one ranked total defense in America. But you cannot forget the fact that Jim Harbaugh just hasn't had a lot of success against the better competition in the Big Ten. What are you expecting this weekend in Ann Arbor? You know, I've been talking to a lot of the guys leading up to this game. It's been cool to be around them. It's our second Michigan game. We had them uh, when they played Wisconsin and completely buried the Badgers at home. It's different. They've all said that, number one, the leaders that are in the locker room are completely confident. Like, everyone feels really comfortable calling one another out. 
And for guys like Chase Winovich, who, first of all, he's an amazing defender. He's great at his job. To see him on the sideline cussing out one of his teammates or laying down what the expectation is, holding people accountable, that's something that I haven't seen on Michigan sidelines before when we covered them in the past. And then you add in, you know, the the confidence you gain by having a Shea Patterson on the field. And the offense looks completely different. I mean, Pep Hamilton, Michigan's OC, said when he first got Shea, he was a little leery. He didn't know what to do with him. Um, and I think now, what are we in, week 10? They finally let the reins off of him. They let Shea does what he does best, which is he can make plays with his feet. He's almost even better when he goes off script. And that's when he really challenges defense. Nick Scott, he's a safety for Penn State. And he was saying, he was like, we've literally just been practicing the Shea scramble drill. So when he goes nuts, whether or not we're locking in on our receivers, are we, are we creating those tight windows that make it difficult for him to pass? Hey, Maria, it sounds like you are a Michigan believer, maybe even a Notre Dame believer. Can we talk to Drew a little bit about those two teams and, and, and them deserving the ability to maybe get into the playoffs later this season. I'm coming around on Michigan. I think Notre Dame loses this weekend to Northwestern, but Maria, you say that every week, tell me, say it tell every me week. why, please. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm not fully on the Notre Dame train. Here's why, because I had Notre Dame yes. at last year. You just made Drew so happy. <laughs> but, but I just remember them stepping on the field and it was a different level of athlete that Miami had. And I'm not sure that Notre Dame has faced that yet. So Whoever that may be, and it, they're not probably going to face it against Northwestern. I don't know that they fall to Northwestern. I think that USC game at the end of the season is going to be really telling. But it's not necessarily a team that I look at and get excited about and say, yes, they deserve to be in the playoff. To me, you know, they're they're decent. They're all right. But if you put them up against an ACC or an SEC or um, a really solid Big Ten team, that's not Michigan in the beginning of the season when they didn't know who Shea Patterson was or what their offense was going to look like. I don't know that they win those games. And now their schedule's so easy, we're not even going to see them challenged um, before the playoff. All right, so you are headed to Baton Rouge this weekend. I mean, this is the game of the year. One versus three in Death Valley. College game day is going to be there. I'm sure it'll be fantastic weather. This fan base has got to be absolutely riled up. I'm sure you guys have the best packages, the best uh, situations for TV. I'm going to wake up at 9 a.m. I will be dialed in. What are you expecting in this game? Because I don't think it's going to be that close. I think LSU is making this to be too big of a game. And Alabama and Tua Tungavailoa, he has more. Tua Tungavailoa has more passes for 15-plus yards than he does in completions. I mean, it is simply an unbelievable season by him, and I just don't see LSU's defense being able to stop him. I totally agree, honestly. I mean, I love that we're able to hype it up, and it's this huge game. And isn't it great when LSU football is good? Like, Absolutely. Tigers mm-hmm. this. Um, but at the same time, I do think that we, we might be overselling it a little bit, other than giving it up for the mystique of Tiger Stadium at night. But I think one of our Tiger Stadium in general, the Creoles coming out, you know, starting out at 9 a.m., being wasted the entire day. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen at game day. I've been there, seen it. Um, but, yeah, I think that LSU still has a lot to prove. And I think that if you are, are riding Joe Burrow into the night against Alabama, 
that's not necessarily the matchup that I would want to see. Their defense is still, it's always been a championship defense, but now they have that offensive firepower that we've been waiting to see. It just seems like there's absolutely no holes in this Alabama team. Um, it'll certainly be fun at kickoff, but there's going to have to be some crazy plays. I'm talking about they're going to have to create turnovers, and we haven't seen Tua give up turnovers. You know, they're going to have to have make special teams plays, and we haven't seen Alabama make special teams mistakes. So I just don't know that there's enough holes in that Alabama armor for LSU to take advantage. Let's talk a little bit about Drew's third favorite team. So Drew's favorite team's Michigan, his <laughs> second favorite team's Notre Dame, and then his third favorite team, actually he's kind of creeping up to be number one right now, is Kentucky. Big fan <laughs> Drew. He's wearing actually his blue shirt right now as we do this interview. <laughs> Big fan of Kentucky football over there. Drew is their number one fan. What do they have a chance this weekend? I mean, we talk about games being overhyped and 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 are they yet to play with the big boys to represent the sec east in atlanta to take down georgia the mighty georgia who just crushed florida's soul last week can <laughs> benny snell allen on defense can those guys get going and produce enough to make this an interesting game and maybe even pull it out at the end of the day so are we really as three former georgia bulldogs about to sit give up me here, your honest thought honest, honest, i know you were honest. just in lexington covering Kentucky the basketball program georgia that is that the conversation okay <laughs> we're wait, listen we have a job to do maria we're gonna be very professional <laughs> and uh we're, we're unbiased here on the pun pass yes here here's what i will say um Georgia has not been perfect, obviously, and we've seen it. They've had some issues, I think, offensively. I think that they corrected a couple of those things um, against Florida. But still, they're ranking in, say, the top third in the nations in, like, three different categories. I think I was looking at it earlier. And so although we're like, oh, Georgia's not playing as well as they should, but still if you're talking about total offense and points per game and rushing yards per game, they're ranking in the top third. So they're, they're handling um, most situations well. One thing I do know is Jonathan Allen for Kentucky is, beast. is a beast, a beast. And he's all over the field at all times. Like I'm almost to the point where you can't scheme up plays to keep the ball away from him, to keep the play because he's going to be there. So, you know, that's kind of a big concern. Um, but if you find a way to take him out of the game, then I think Kentucky's defense is back to being maybe average at best. But I watched that Missouri game. What they didn't, convert a third down is that like true in this whole second half yeah against but, Kentucky? but drew lock has only had one touchdown pass in his last four <laughs> sec games i mean these are two of the not i would say below average sec teams going at it and i watched the second half of that game mm-hmm. it was not pretty i mean i mm-hmm. love punting and i didn't enjoy it <laughs> and it was all literally all right, so okay, so here's my thing, Maria, and I know you were just in Kentucky because you said college basketball media days are. Do they just happen, or are they right around the corner? Yeah, the SEC ones happened, but Holly Rowe and I went up there to check in with Cal and the Wildcats because they play Duke next week. Yes, Taylor Road Trip, right? You guys you did. Yeah, I got you, Taylor Road Trip. They did their college basketball version. Check it out on YouTube or IGTV. Heads up at Maria Taylor seven on Instagram. Obviously I got to give you a plug there, but <laughs> tell me this. Okay. You were up there at Kentucky covering the basketball team. I have not been high on Kentucky all season long. They obviously lost to Texas A&M in overtime and they never even crossed the 50 yard line on offense throughout 60 minutes. The first time they were across the 50 yard line was in overtime when they started at the 25 yard line. Then they needed all 60 minutes to beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, not a good football team. They won 14 to seven. And then last week, 
the pass interference call at the end of the game. I mean, I don't like referees in general, and that was the worst call I've ever seen to end a game. But back to Kentucky. Their fan base is absolutely delusional. Here's what they're used to. Dominance in college basketball. And I get that. They're great. Rupp Arena, awesome. Coach Cal, great. One and dones, first round picks, first draft picks in the NBA. I get it. This is the first time that these fans have ever seen a decent, halfway decent football team. So now they think that they are automatically going to go to the SEC championship. It's just not going to happen. Georgia is going to beat the brakes off Kentucky this week. And I say that as objectively as possible. I'm thinking like a 35 to 10, 38 to 13 type game. I really wow. am, Maria. Am I wrong? Or is there any way I that could happen? I his favorite team. No, I agree with you. I, I think they're going to be outmatched, honestly. And I will say this, everyone in Lexington, like we went to their women's clinic. And as soon as you said anything about football, like they just started screaming and going crazy. So they're delusional for them to be good. It's going to be like, I think listen, they're still seven and one though. I mean, this is a winning football team. I mean, the, 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 there's something to say about a team with confidence and a team that finds a way to win. They're a confident bunch of football players right now. I think the entire, the entire campus feels the energy and I think they're going to feel it come Saturday afternoon at three 30. So defense, 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 defense. It keeps them in the game. Listen, I'm, I'm with you too. I think Georgia's going to win this game, but it's not going to be a 30 to 10 game. It's going to be 24 to 14 kind of game or 24 to 17 type of game. I think right. it's going to be closer. I think it's going to be more entertaining than, you know, fourth quarter. Let's turn it off and let's get ready for that eight o'clock game. Aaron also said that Georgia would win by a field goal last week. So Maria, we'll wrap it up and we'll throw it to you. We need your official prediction for the Georgia Kentucky game this weekend. <laughs> Georgia gets the win. I'm going to go 28-14. All right. I like it. I love it. And Maria Taylor, you are the best. Obviously, Centennial High School is finest. I live yeah. in North Fulton County now, so I'm right around the corner from where you grew up. Aaron, do you have any parting words for Maria? She's got a busy weekend ahead. Give her some tips. Uh, don't don't listen to Drew's betting. <laughs> no. Uh, thanks for coming on. I, you know, next time that uh, I get a chance to jump on ESPN. I'll try to uh, smooth CBS a little bit more. Yeah, just say yes next time. I yeah, just say always say yes, and then just ask for forgiveness later. You know, that's, I should have done that. Exactly. Next time. All right, Maria, and don't forget about me either. I'm always here for you, and we really appreciate you coming on the Punt and Pass podcast. Have a great weekend. We will definitely watch you on Saturday. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, Maria. All right, big thanks to Maria Taylor, Aaron. She is just she's a rock star. There's no other way around it. Oh, she's absolutely incredible. I mean, you, listen, you can't turn on the TV without seeing Maria Taylor. I know. Football, I mean, basketball season's rolling. So, I mean, she just jumps from one sport to the next. And even in the same week, she's doing both. So it, it's impressive, man. She is a grinder out there getting it done and a fellow Bulldog. So you got to love that. I know, dude. It's awesome. So shout out, Maria. Thanks for coming on to the Punt and Pass podcast. Everybody loves to watch you every single week. All right, Aaron, let's get into it. Week 10 is here. We're going to pick the biggest games of the week. Last week, I went 5-2-1. You went 4-3-1. and one. That brings me to a total of 28-20-1, and one, and you are at 22-26-1. 
and oh, so you're man. creeping I need up. To get in the, I know. I need to just up. get in the wind column right I know. now. Let's I just need it. to get. You know, I'm a, I'm a loser at the moment. I just got to get it going. I need Let's, another six and zero week. Is what I yeah, you do. And we got. I, I got how many games I have for you? One, two, three, four, five, six. So you can go six and zero. Boom. Let's dive right into it. The biggest game of the year. Number one, Alabama going to number three, LSU. This, of course, is the second part of CBS's doubleheader this weekend, 8 p.m., SEC on CBS, and get this, Aaron, Alabama is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Think about that. The number three team in the nation that has beaten three top ten teams this season is a 14-and-a-half-point underdog at home. The over-under is 53-and-a-half. Is this the correct line? Can you even can you even think of a line that could go higher than this with no. the magnitude of this game? I, I know you're thinking this game is going to be twenty something points, it but is. for me, I think I don't know. I really don't. You look at this team, and, and you talk about LSU and, and their number three ranking and how well they played this year in the big moments. And this is a big, big, big. I mean, probably the biggest moment they'll play in all season long. But they've played Georgia. I mean, they've played tough games on the road at Auburn. So. I don't think the moment's going to be too big for them. Uh, I think they'll be just fine, especially being at home. It's 8 o'clock. Those fans are probably starting their, their tailgating tonight at Halloween. They're going to get cranking, drinking, having fun, getting ready to get the party started. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. That environment is going to be – it's going to be electric. I mean it's going to be one of the best environments we'll see this entire season. It's going to remind me of what was the whiteout with Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah, Remember how like fun that, that was? This is going to be like that, but just a lot more F-bombs and a lot more <laughs> vulgar craziness, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really exciting to see. So I think that's how this this game stays close, and we talk about Alabama. You turn on the TV, the first five minutes, it's 21 nothing. I know. I mean, games get out of control so fast where you look at the opposing offenses. They have to change their game plan in the first quarter. I mean, you talk about making second-half adjustments. Teams are having to make first quarter adjustments, and then all of a sudden their game, like I said, that, that their entire week of practice is thrown out the window. That entire game plan is thrown out the window. LSU, I think, is going to make it close enough where they can feel comfortable based on what they've seen these past two weeks in practice and what they've worked on. They can continue doing what they need to do, running the football, not forcing Joe Burrow to have to throw the ball 35, 40 times to keep it close. But the key is – Get a couple first downs. I, you don't even need points, but just get the ball to like around the 40, 45. Be able to punt it. See if you can pin Alabama back inside the 20, inside the 10, and then make them drive the entire length of the field against your very talented defense. I think that's what keeps the defense in the game. And I think that's what keeps the crowd in the game. If you're getting three and out after three and out after three and out on the offensive side for LSU, the fans start to get frustrated. They start to sit down their seats. They're not as loud. They're not as juiced. Keep the crowd involved. That's going to help your defense. And uh, I think LSU can have a chance to make this a closer game than that 14.5 point spread. Absolutely. Don't forget LSU starting linebacker Devin White out for the first half after Stupid. an absolutely horrible targeting call two weeks ago against Mississippi State. That will probably have a big impact. And I guarantee you, Alabama will attack his replacement. From the get-go. But everybody's talking about, Aaron, how can LSU win? What is it going to take? How can the defense, LSU's defense, stop Tua Tungavailoa? I am actually thinking on the flip side, okay? How can LSU's offense keep Alabama's defense 
on the field. You just mentioned it. No three and outs. No three and out, three and out, three and out. Get the fans out of the game. LSU's offense, and Joe Burrow specifically, he has proved everybody wrong all season long. And if he can get first downs, move the chains, get into third and manageable, and force Alabama's defense to have to play four quarters, that is the best chance for LSU to keep this game close and possibly have a chance to win at the end. But here's my question to you, Aaron. You can bet on this, actually. You can go online and bet on this prop bet. There is real action for Will Tua Tungavailoa play in the fourth quarter. With that being said, is this Tua Tungavailoa's first true road game of his career? And I ask you that because of this. Sure, he played at Neyland Stadium this year. But hell, it was 21 to nothing at the end of the first quarter, and everybody was leaving the stadium, right? Not the coaches, not the players, not the fan base of Tennessee remotely believed that they had a legitimate chance to win that football game. Okay, he played at Arkansas. They scored 65 points. They scored on the first play of the game. That's not a true road game. Give me a break. I honestly think that this is Tua Tungavailoa's first true road game from start to finish and that in and of itself could make this interesting yeah i agree this is going to be his first opportunity to show us what he can do playing all four quarters and i think for this entire team we go back to my first point one of my first points of you know they're so used to getting to off to such a hot start and then just kind of hitting cruise control you know midway through the second quarter it's like games out of control we can just kind of cruise along and let's finish the game we'll get some backups in it's a different mentality when all of a sudden you look up in the second quarter and it's a seven point game or a 10 point game. I mean, that's, that's territory that, that Alabama hasn't been in since last year's national championship game. So to be able to get that switch turned on to think we're not in cruise control, we have to go, 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 yes. go for four quarters. Let's see if Alabama can do that. And who knows? I mean, maybe Alabama comes out and just whoops their butt in the first quarter like they've been doing all year. That that is a possibility. That can still happen. I mean, they are that good. But I'm saying that I think everyone's hoping this is a good football game. If it's not, if it is close in the second and third quarter, does Alabama mentally can they just turn it on or keep it on because they haven't had to do that in I don't know what eight months? Yeah. I mean, they have not had to turn that switch on in eight months, and that's difficult to simulate in practice. All right, so let's get to our pick here, and I'm going to give you mine first. I think LSU is just making this game too big. This moment could be too big for LSU. I understand it's at home. I know college game day is going to be there. I mean, the media is asking LSU, are you scared of Alabama? Alabama's football team is tweeting out and Instagramming out how many times they've sacked the quarterback because Joe Burrow said, if you're timid, stay in the locker room. I think LSU is making the stage too big for their own good. I know you might say, hey, Alabama hasn't played anyone and they have yet to be tested, but I'm afraid this one could get out of hand, and here's the reason why. Florida's defense was able to frustrate Joe Burrow. He had two turnovers. He wasn't able to get it going against the Gators. That, of course, was LSU's only loss. I expect Alabama's defense 
to do the same, Aaron. I think they frustrate Joe Burrow. They more than likely stop the run and put it into put the game into his hands, and then they feast. I don't see their defense stopping Tua Tungo Bailoa. I will lay the fourteen and a half here. I think when it's all said and done, Alabama makes LSU quit, and they win this game by twenty one or more points. Nah, I, I think this is going to be a. Um, I, I listen. I, got and I hope it's not. Game. I want a good game. No, I want a good game too. But I think this is a ten to thirteen point game. So give me LSU the points. Okay. Um, What's your final? I mean, I, I didn't even give you my final score. But what do you think the final score is going to be? I mean, Alabama's offense is just too. I think it's going to be like a. I think it's going to be like a you know thirty three twenty one type game. You know, somewhere in there thirty four twenty one. Yeah, I just and I like that. I like what I, I do agree with you, but but I just I got to stick with my gut here, and I just I don't see Alabama's offense not scoring forty, and I have a hard time believing LSU's offense can put twenty on the tide. So gonna be a great game, man. Cannot wait to watch that on Saturday night. Be sure that you are on social media at Punt and Pass. Interact with us. We will break it all down. Okay, let's go to the Big Ten. Another top fifteen matchup, number fourteen. Penn State is going to number five, Michigan. This is a big one. Michigan's a 10-point favorite. That surprised me. Penn State's coming off that big win against Iowa last week. The kicker here, though, Aaron, is as good as Michigan's been playing, and I know they have the number one ranked total defense in America. Jim Harbaugh, their head coach, just hasn't found much success against the better teams in the Big Ten while at Michigan. What's different this season, and what do you expect in this game? You know, what's different is he is a quarterback, and I, and I, and, and I know you've questioned Shea Patterson I'm, this year, Drew, but— me, You're starting to get me on the Michigan bandwagon. I just got to just gotta keep whispering Michigan, Notre Dame <laughs> in your head, and, and then finally it'll start to sink in. But, I mean, listen, Shea Patterson has been playing better. The offense running game has been really dominant so far for Michigan. And then you look at the defense. I mean, one of the best, if not the best defense in all of college football right now, only giving up about 14 points a game. So— Focus on the defense this game. Michigan dominating Penn State on the, the one of the worst bottom half against the rush in that conference. So you talk about a team, a Michigan team that dominates defensively, that's been running the ball extremely effectively, both with their running back and their quarterback, Trace McSurley, a team with a lot of confidence and then a team that's playing at home right now. And then Penn State, they've been just too hot and cold. I mean, they play some good games. They had a little bit of a lull after they lost to Ohio State. Had another loss, another close game they should have lost. It's just they have not been elite in my mind where Michigan, I think, is getting better and better ever since that first first loss to Notre Dame early in the season. So I like Michigan in this game. Um, and what's the spread on this one? Ten. Ten points? Yeah. I got Michigan with the, the points, too. Right. I think offensively they've just been rolling. And like I said, I love their defense right now. Penn State, I think you just got to figure out a way um, – and it's, it's easier said than done, obviously, to, to stop Trace McSurley running the football. I think he's he's a good passer. I don't think he's an elite passer. I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a great competitor. I think he wins a lot of games by being very creative with his legs. So if you can contain him in the pocket, don't let him get that big run. I, I think that's what's going to help Michigan. But I like Michigan. It's going to be loud. It's going to be noisy. It's a big rivalry game. And uh, go Big Blue. All right, so Aaron's laying the points. He says Michigan will win by more than 10. I'm going to ask you this quick question before I give you my pick. What one player in 2018 has lost the most luster when it comes to future draft stock or dollars 
in their pocket? Is it Bryce Love from Stanford? Is it Drew Locke from Missouri? True. Is it Nick Fitzgerald from Mississippi State? Or is it Trace McSorley, a guy who had legitimate Heisman buzz before the season started? His QBR right now is 58.8. Love, Locke, Fitzgerald, or McSorley? I think it's Locke because I don't think – He would have been a top other... pick. Yeah, but I don't think Fitzgerald or McSorley were first round guys or even second round guys or third round guys. I think they were I think they were mid to late round type quarterbacks. Um where you look at Drew Locke and he was a potential top five pick. I mean, guys are looking at him yeah. saying he may be the number one pick in the draft next year because there's not a lot of great quarterbacks. It's a quarterback hungry league. So I think he's lost the most because I mean, based on his performance, I, I would grade him as a late second round, third round guy. Just purely based on potential. I mean, you're, you're drafting him thinking that, you know, hopefully you can correct some of his flaws and get him to be an elite quarterback in the league because he is big. He does have a strong arm, but he, it, it hasn't worked out right now in the football field. So you're, you're purely drafting him on the hopes that year three, you can maybe get, maybe get him to be a starter in the NFL. I hear you. Yeah, Drew Locke has lost a ton of money this season. He only has one touchdown pass in his last four SEC games. That's crazy. All right, back to the Penn State-Michigan game. Give me the 10 points here. I think this game will be closer than people think. That is a huge line in any Big Ten game, but especially between two top 15 teams. I think Michigan does win, but it's probably by six or seven points look for trace mcsorley and that penn state offense to find some sort of success you know they're going to try to dial some special stuff up going against the number one ranked total defense michigan does get the win but i want the points give me the points here all right let's go to the big 12 aaron another top 15 matchup number 13 west virginia's heart heading to number 17 texas excuse me number 17 texas is hosting west virginia this one's going to be a big game both teams have kind of slipped up in the past couple of weeks, but Will Greer going to Austin, I think this is a great opportunity for him to kind of get back on the national spotlight. Yeah, it would be a great. I mean, Texas, obviously not a great game last week. or It was an okay game, but lost to Oklahoma State, which kind of hurts their momentum going forward in the season. But I like where Texas football is at right now. I think, I think the fan base is believing. I think the team is believing. They're feeling great. Uh, year two under Herman, they, they're heading in the right direction offensively. Defensively, is slowly catching up. So I, I like Texas in this game. Texas, Texas is a two-point favorite, excuse me. Sam, Sam Ellinger's playing well right now. I think he's a hot hand at the quarterback. And then you look at Will Greer. Yes, he's a lot of touchdowns, but he also has thrown a ton of picks so far this season. So he's that type of gunslinger mentality where he's going to force balls down the field to his big receivers and see if they can make plays. It's worked a lot of the time, but also has hurt them as an offense. So I like Texas at home right now. Like I said, I think they're believing that they are back to being Texas football, and that's a big thing when you mentally are in that position. So uh, I like Texas, and I like him with the points. All right, I like Texas as well. Again, I do think Will Greer will have a big day, but Texas needs to bounce back. I'm sick of the is Texas back talk. They kind of botched it last week against Oklahoma State, but they're back home. This is a big game for them. They need to continue moving in the right direction. I'll lay the two also. Aaron and I are on the same side here. Texas minus two. All right, I want two more quick picks, and then we're going to wrap up by breaking down this Georgia-Kentucky game. Notre Dame, number three ranked, excuse me, number four ranked Notre Dame is heading to Northwestern, right? 
Everybody in Chicago is usually a big Notre Dame fan, but the matter of fact is this. Northwestern is Chicago's Big Ten team. That stadium in Evanston, I would kind of relate it to how you like to compare Vanderbilt, Aaron. Very low-key, not exactly rowdy. Man, it's going to be windy off the lake. It'll probably be nice and chilly. Notre Dame is a 9 and a half point favorite here. Northwestern's been playing pretty good ball, though. Is there any way Notre Dame slips up to a formidable Big Ten opponent? It's going to come down to turnovers in this football game uh, and then running the football like always. I mean, Clayton Thompson, quarterback for Northwestern, has 10 picks on the season. So if he can protect the ball and then maybe get Ian Book to throw an interception or two, I think that's how Northwestern keeps in this game. But I like Notre Dame winning. I do like Northwestern with the points. So, I mean, you look at Northwestern's last five games, they beat Wisconsin. They beat Rutgers. They beat Nebraska. I mean, that the Wisconsin one's big. Yeah. And then Michigan State. And then they, they they lost to Michigan only 20 to 17. So Absolutely. This, this team is playing close games or winning against good opponents. And like I said, that Michigan loss by only three points at home is pretty darn good. So... Uh, I like Notre Dame. I listen. I, I'm a big fan of Ian Book. We've, we've you've heard me preach it all year. Boykin on the outside is tremendous. But this Northwestern team is playing really well, especially as of late. Their last five games have been uh, pretty pretty impressive. So go Notre Dame. But I got Northwestern with the points. Northwestern is the favorite to win the Big Ten West as of right now, and Northwestern has beaten Notre Dame. Twice in a row, 1995 and 2014, both those games were in South Bend. I know I have been picking against Notre Dame pretty much every single week as they've been on this So keep it going. I really thought Pitt was going to beat them. I said that on the podcast. Pitt almost beat them. Notre Dame's losing this weekend. They are losing to the first-place team in the Big Ten West. Screw the points. This is one of the biggest— home games for Northwestern in recent memory. I think they frustrate Ian Book. That's their only hope. And I think Pat Fitzgerald has a very hallmark win. This game's at 7.15 p.m. north side of Chicago in Evanston. Give me the 9.5, obviously, but Northwestern is going to win the football game. Do we just want get, to get it over with right now Please. And, and just say Drew is going to pick Florida State, Syracuse, and USC? I won't pick Florida pick State, and I probably won't pick USC, but I 100% will pick Syracuse. That game is in okay. South Bend, too, right? The Syracuse yeah, game? Yeah, it's in South Bend. Bummer, because yep. if they were going to the Carrier Dome, I might go to that game travel and just wear all orange and i hate orange so that would be a lot of fun speaking of orange number 20 texas a&m is heading to auburn auburn surprisingly a four point home favorite here man auburn's schedule to finish out this season not looking too good Mm -mm. for war eagle and they already have three conference losses what happens quickly in this game aaron oh man it's it's tough it's at auburn Oh, uh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, oh, man. This game, A&M, A&M did not look great last night. I week. know. Really, I, I thought A&M would have a better performance. And then you look at Auburn. Obviously, they're coming off the bye week. I think they got some good momentum after Mississippi win, 31-16. Hopefully, they figured out this offense a little bit, got back to the drawing board. So, I like Auburn at home. I, everything's telling me to go Texas A&M right now. But I think Auburn, after the bye, I think they got back in there, figured out what's going on offensively, what they need to do going forward for the rest of the game. Because like you said, Drew, they have some tough opponents going forward. They need those two weeks to really figure out 
what is their identity on offense? How can we get Jared Sim to be more comfortable throwing the football down the field? So I like them after that that bye week uh, to go out there and win that football game. And what's the spread again? Four. Uh, they they um, they cover that. No, I got I got I got A and M. I think it's a three point game. Damn. All right. So Aaron goes with Texas A and M getting the points. He wants the four points, and I I just have to go opposite of you here. I'm gonna take Auburn. I'll lay the four points. They're coming off the bye week. They have to get a win in this game at home versus a top 25-ranked team in Texas A&M because they go to number 6 Georgia next week and then obviously finish up the season at number 1-ranked Alabama. They need this win, and they'll win by a touchdown. So give me Auburn, and I'll lay the points. All right, Aaron, let's put a bow on this thing. Second biggest game of the week, I would say, is four the SEC East title. Number six, Georgia, is traveling to number nine, Kentucky. This game is at 3.30 p.m., SEC on CBS. Georgia is a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. And guess what, Aaron? I'm just going to give you a little transitive property. It's back. Yes, Transitive property. Take you about three-fourths of the season. Regarding this game. And, boy... Do I have a doozy? All I've been hearing all week long, even last week when I kind of laid down the gauntlet and said Kentucky has no chance of winning the SEC East, all I kept hearing is how they find a way to win, how they're 7-1 and one in the SEC, how they are got Benny Snell, Terry Wilson, the defense, Josh Allen. Okay, here is a transitive property to put this thing to bed. Georgia and Kentucky have had four similar opponents. Let's break it down. Aaron, Kentucky beat Florida by 11. Georgia beat Florida by 19. So off that one, Georgia beats Kentucky by 8. Kentucky beat South Carolina by 14. Georgia beat South Carolina by 24. Georgia beats Kentucky by 10. Hey, Kentucky beat Vanderbilt by 7. Georgia beat Vanderbilt by 28. Georgia beats Kentucky by 21. And Kentucky beat Mizzou by 1 point. Georgia beat Missouri by 14 points, so Georgia beats Kentucky by 13. Now, if I'm not that good at math, but I got my calculator out, add those four games up, divide them by four, Georgia beats Kentucky by 13.25 points, and I just don't see how. I love that, Drew. Georgia that just put a big fans, smile on my face. If, if you see. people listening could just see the smile on Drew's face right now. Well, He's I mean, like a little kid in the Katie store going through these numbers right now. I, I, I'm, He's I'm so just, proud of himself. Everybody's talking about Benny Snell Jr., Benny Snell Jr., Benny Snell Jr. Okay, he had 60 yards oh, against I'm Texas talking about A&M. their defense. If I'm, they didn't if I'm, even if I'm a cross, fan, I'm talking about Kentucky's defense. They didn't even cross the 50-yard line against Texas A&M. This, this, this isn't a game... Listen, I think we both agree Georgia's going to win. I think this game is more of, I mean, what's the points going to be? Because Kentucky's defense is darn good. I mean, you they look at all their good. games this year. I mean, they're 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 holding teams under 20 points, holding teams under 10 points. I mean, I look at their last five games. Missouri, they held in the 14. Vandy, 7. A&M scored 20, but that was in overtime. South Carolina, 10. Mississippi State, 7. I mean, I know these aren't juggernaut offensive football teams, but still – they are dominating defensively. They're staying in games. They're finding ways to win, whether it's offense, defense, special teams. We saw last week with the punt return. There's something to say about a team that just finds a way to win football games by any means necessary. But it starts with the defensive side of the football. It starts with Josh Allen. It starts with those talented defensive backs, the long rangey guys. 
I like their defense. They're giving up only 13 points a game. You got to appreciate that. And they're playing at home. This is for all the marbles. You know, they're going to be juice. They're going to be excited. So I think it could be a fun game. So what, what are the points again? Nine and a two, half. I'm looking nine at yes, George is a nine and a half point favorite. And I hear you. I like their defense too. Sure. I love their they defense. Holding, they're killing it. They are holding and Georgia's, offenses. And, and I think Georgia's, and, and what's Georgia's issue is obviously stopping the run. I yes. mean, Georgia, we've seen it week after week after week. Can't stop the run. I mean, Kentucky finally, can they get the ball rolling? I think it's not, this game is not on Benny Snell. I don't think the game's on the defense. I think this game is on Terry Wilson. Oh, then listen to this. Terry being, Wilson's QBR is 45.9. I know, but listen, I go back to when he played versus Florida. I mean, can he be that Terry Wilson? If he can just be accurate, can he make a couple plays with his legs, a couple throws here and there? Can he build off that two-minute drive that led them down the field to win the game versus Missouri last week? Yeah. If he can do that, I think that that's how they make it's a close game. So based on the fact that Kentucky's defense is, is rolling this season, I think Georgia's a defense has, like I said, struggled against the run. I think Terry Wilson, maybe I would make a couple plays. I think this is a, a uh, I think it's a nine point game. All right. Nine points. So you'll nine take points. Kentucky. I'll take Kentucky the, the points. points. The hook yeah. will save Aaron and give yes. him the win against the spread. He says Georgia wins by nine. Now I'm going to ask you this. Josh Allen is a beast. He will be an All-American Stug. at the end of the season. He could be Kentucky's X factor. Who's Georgia's X factor going to be? Because I just told you, Terry Wilson's QBR this season, 45 points. Nine. That's terrible. On the flip, My, Jake Fromm is 75.7, so much better in the quarterback scales. Tip to Georgia. Terry Wilson's the not D-line that good, for man. Georgia. I, I understand I, Kentucky's defense is good, but their offense is terrible. They scored yeah. 14 points against Vandy, 14 points against AM, and 15 somehow, miraculously, against Missouri. I think the, the key for Georgia, we talk about, obviously, you just talk about Kentucky and their key is being able to get after Jake Fromm. And Allen on the outside, I think it's Georgia's defensive line. I mean, can they man up at the defensive line and stop Benny Snell? Can they stop Terry Wilson from running the football? That's the key. Stop the run, stuff it, and then contain Terry Wilson in the pocket. Make him a thrower because you watch him. He's not very comfortable. He's more comfortable when he's running around. He gets outside the pocket. Then he has a threat to run the football, and then he throws the ball on the run pretty well. So if you can contain him, don't let him get outside and make him a passer from the pocket, that's how you beat him. And like I said, you just got to be able to stuff Benny Snell in first and second down. All right, so here is my pick. And everybody will say I get too emotional, right? Everybody will call me a homer. But guess what? I'm objective. And I gave you my pick, Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Florida, last week. And I said Georgia's going to get back to what they do best. They're going to refine their identity. And they're going to whoop up on Florida and win by double digits. Guess what? That's exactly what happened. Here's what's going to happen this weekend, Aaron. Georgia is going to walk into Kroger Field. I keep hearing about Kroger Field. Kroger Field this. Kroger Field that. It's going to be the biggest home game in Kentucky history. Blah, blah, blah. Vanderbilt almost beat Kentucky at Kentucky. And guess what? Vanderbilt sucks. They're not a good football team. Kentucky has never had to play in a game like this. Georgia, on the flip side, has. Georgia is willing and able for a test of metal. And I guarantee you, they go up there and whoop Kentucky's 
ass. Lay the nine and a half points. Georgia will have a fantastic game running the football. Jake Fromm will be the starter again. He will play the entire game again. They will stop Benny Snell. They will frustrate Terry Wilson. They'll have a good game. Now, am I saying it'll be a blowout from start to finish? Yes, I am. Georgia's going to win this game in dominating fashion. Book your hotels for Atlanta December 3rd weekend. Get your tickets on StubHub right now. And guess what, Aaron? I'm not shopping at Kroger for the rest of the week. I'm going to Publix, and I've been a Kroger Plus member since like 2000. So Georgia will win this game, lay the points, dogs win. And you can call me whatever you want, but on Monday I'll be telling you I'm right and you're wrong. Good for you, Drew. I love it. You like we'll that? see. We'll see. It'll be a fun. Hey, it listen, will be a great game. For everyone listening, it's going to be a fun weekend. A lot's on the line, not only around the country, but especially in the SEC. The West and East are pretty much going to get decided this weekend. So strap up, baby. Let's strap get ready to rock and roll. Up. Big thanks strap to Maria Taylor for up. joining us on week 10 of Punt and Pass. We will continue to get more and more guests as the season progresses and as new college football playoff rankings come out every single week. Aaron, anything on the way out, my man? No, no, no. I got a good game this weekend. Fresno, baby. I get to cover Fresno State. That's been rolling, 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 rolling. They're playing UNLV. Little trip to Vegas, man. And hey my now. game's at 1030 Eastern. So I get to watch all these great games. I'm debating if I want to watch them from the uh, the blackjack table, if I want to watch from my hotel room. Hey go now. some betting. Right, we'll figure that. it out. We'll that. figure it out. Have It'll fun. be entertaining. Put 100 on red for me. That always there hits. There you go. And, uh, yeah, for everybody listening, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass, at Aaron Murray 11 I am at Drew Butler 13 Again, special thanks to Maria Taylor, and we will talk to you on Monday. See you.